Hello, and welcome to Higher Voltage, a podcast about higher education that explores what's working, what's not, and what needs to change in higher ed marketing and administration. I'm your host, Kevin Tyler, Director of Communications at UCLA School of Nursing, and today I'm talking to Mary Osako, Vice Chancellor of Strategic Communications at UCLA. Before coming to UCLA, she served as the Chief Communications Officer of Activision Blizzard, Head of Global Corporate Communications at Amazon, and Vice President of Corporate International and Public Policy Communications at Yahoo. Let's get started. Listen, I am super excited to be here with Mary Osako, Vice Chancellor of Strategic Communications at the one and only UCLA. Mary, thank you for being here. I appreciate you making the time for this chat. I'm excited to talk to you about the new structure of strategic communications at UCLA. Uh, but before we dig super deep into that, can you please introduce yourself? Kevin, you are one of my most favorite people. Um, thank you for having me on this podcast. Truly, I am Mary Osako. Uh, I am the inaugural vice chancellor of strategic communications for uh, UCLA. And um, a little bit about that is I have the pleasure of working with the best marketing and communications leaders um, on the planet Earth. So it is my pleasure to be on here. And I am an alumna of this great university. So I've got, man, just personal love for this place and everything that it intends and wants to do. So thank you. Thank you. I got here about a year ago and immediately was introduced to your kind of vision for strategic communications, which I think had been in the works uh, for a while before I got here. And one of the uh, tenets of the of the strategy for strategic communications is telling stories in bold new ways. And I'm curious about how you inter- you're introducing that to the UCLA community and into the Stratcom uh, department and what that means to you. Bold new ways and storytelling to me really starts off with stories being the organizing force of any organization. And um, I know we're gonna talk a little bit about how we're structured in strategic communications. And this is really the focal point of it for me, which is there are so many stories to tell about UCLA. And my thought there was, let's focus in on what those main story pillars are and work out from there. And what I mean when I say that is I think of marketing and communications in a very uh, multi-sensory way. You know, I've always felt like, um, I don't know, I've always felt like that was part of storytelling. You and I, although listeners can't see this on podcasts, we're smiling at one another. You know, you're nodding, I'm nodding and writing notes because everything you say is like nuggets of gold for me. But that's the visual part of storytelling. And in these days, it's, you know, what is that story we're trying to tell and how can we extend it with audio and a Spotify playlist that goes with that? What is the tactile component of that story? And if we're doing a story on something around what everyone is struggling with right now, which is emotional wellness, how can we translate that so that we can feel what that means? We can feel and see and touch you know, what that story might mean to us in our everyday lives to um, when I see it, what does that look like? 
in terms of the movable type, the colors, the boldness, the somberness, the patina component of it. And I think for a lot of institutions out there, um, but for UCLA, um, you know, we would uh, maybe a few years ago really focus on the written word. And that's extraordinary because we've seen through, I don't know, just the eras of time and man's history, the written word, right? That is passed down. And so there's no question as to why we would focus on that. But if we expand out a little bit, you know, is it the verbal storytelling from generation to generation where we learn one another's stories and histories? Is it the, you know, graphics, hieroglyphics on the wall that get passed down to us? And so we're just extending it out a little bit more. And that's what I mean when I say uh, let's tell stories in bold new ways. Because with technology today and the different platforms, this podcast being just one example of that, there's so many ways to reach all of our intended audiences. And my only job is really to try and grease the skids for the the team to really um, go after it. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor. Higher Voltage is brought to you by Squiz. University websites are filled with great information, but oftentimes a simple internal site search does not give users the information they're looking for. Funnelback, the site search product by Squiz, changes the way people engage with content by revolutionizing search. It delivers relevant and comprehensive search results for users, which is key for business objectives. Visit squiz.net, that's S-Q-U-I-Z.net, to see how Funnelback by Squiz can create a smarter site search option for your institution's website today. This is a really great conversation to me because it's um, it positions communications in a much uh, different space, especially in higher ed, than I think it feels like it has been placed or positioned before. When it comes to storytelling in higher ed, um, it feels to me that the stories always center the institution rather than the people that the uh, story is about. And so I think that this approach to storytelling at UCLA is an exciting one in, in that uh, you are starting to dial up and elevate the stories of individuals, the Bruins who are, are doing the research and changing the world and um, fostering a better future. Um, is that how you thought about it when you started thinking about the restructure or is it what, what started this kind of thought? Oh, gosh, yes and yes. You know, the stories of the Bruin community to me are inspiring, you know, and they are uh, unto themselves, they put little dents in the universe. And so what can we do to celebrate that, to elevate it, to shine a light on it? And especially I will say the undertold stories um, of our people and of our community. And I think a lot of times when we focus on just a particular set of individuals, and this goes for any organization or brand out there, I think, you know, what gets lost is, all right, so, but what's that mean? You know, so why, what about it? What's the why behind it? And I think that's what kicked off um, the thinking behind, is there a way that we can organize ourselves to really focus on the why? That was really the jumping off point to rethinking how we might structure ourselves. Um, UCLA was structured when I first joined in a very, you know, in a really traditional manner. Um, and I think that's great. You know, the 
the marketing team was very siloed from the communications team. Um, and I'm not saying that's the way it is in higher ed. It was just the case for UCLA for all sorts of reasons. And what we did as a component of that restructuring is what is the best way that we can organize so that we can do just one thing, one simple goal, collaborate. That was it. That's all I thought we needed to do because the talent is there. The great ideas are there. The innovative inventiveness of ways that we can tell these stories, it was all there. So my job, as I saw it um, and as I see it today, isn't, oh, you know, I need to go in and I need to go and do this or teach that. No, it's very much to the contrary of these people are the best of the best. My biggest value add is what can I do structurally so that the collaboration of these great minds can happen easily and positively where people just let loose their energy and their great thinking. And, um, you know, I think the new org and the new structure does exactly that. Awesome. That's a perfect seg. Perfect. <laughs> so you've, you have these new positions. Tell us what the new positions are and how you got to this new structure, because I think this is absolutely exciting. UCLA Strategic Communications, we have created two new roles within our org. Um, one is the Chief Brand Officer, and it will be our inaugural role of this type. And the other is the Chief Officer of the UCLA Content Studio, and another inaugural role. And I'll tell you the nitty gritty because um, we didn't get it right. The first time in my and this was before we rolled it out but when we set out on this journey of what can we do to just further collaboration because the talent is there we've got amazing people what are we going to do to make it easier for everyone it was very much um the same organization but we consolidated maybe a couple of subgroups it was basically that and that was really on the table for, you know, the first phase of thinking through what this could look like. And it was very much, oh, we did research. This is the way this university does it. You know, this university we aspire to be, that they do this really well, you know, and we did a lot of research looking into um, universities out there, ones that we wanted to be like one day. And then we crafted what that org looked like based on that. And then one day we woke up and we blew it all away. And instead literally have uh, the post-it notes where it was just Sharpie, yellow post-it note. What if we tried something crazy and did this? And what if you are uh, part of the UCLA newsroom team? as an example, and they create so many stories and they take complicated stories, right? And they push them out. And we're not a volume business. We look to quality. So we're not in the volume game. We're in the quality game and to ensure that it reflects what UCLA um, is. But what if those folks who are writers and amazing writers didn't have to go out and take photos to accompany their pieces? <clears throat> what if, 
they didn't have to, you know, take a photo of a faculty member and post it alongside their page because they're trying to write 10 other amazing stories out there. And they're talking to faculty and they're the miners of gold. What if they didn't have to do that? And there is another team that they could go to and all they do in and out, the way they think of stories is visual, movable type, video, art, whatever it can be. And they're the ones that take the story, organizing around a story, and they apply their subject matter expertise to it. And so what if that could happen one day? Would that help us or would that hurt us? And that's one example of where I think it kicked off this idea um, of creating a content studio. I will say that it was, to me, a bold idea, um, an experiment. And there was, you know, reservation about it saying, this is too extreme. There's no other university. We just did all this research (laughs) and, you know, we set out who we want to be like. So maybe the safer bet is, Hey, let's look at them. They're great. And they did it like this. And maybe we do that half step before we get to the other component of it. But in writing my post-it notes that one day I decided, you know what, this team is so great. And having consulted, you know, as a consultative process with folks on the team feels like it's a really good jacket for everyone. And we're going to go all in. And uh, that's what we did. So we came up with this content studio, again, organizing around stories, letting people just be what they love and what they're good at. And, um, you know, holding hands. And, And that's how we created it. On the brand side, the same, you know, we, from that, a new component of the brand organization is uh, experiential marketing. And what we did was we took two people from our events team and we brought them over to this whole new function at UCLA called experiential marketing. Folks who are listening to this have probably heard it called buzz marketing, you know, experiential marketing, you go through it. Um, But it really is that tactile, sensory, I I smell kettle corn, you know, I see, I look up and I see blue and gold, which are our colors, and I look down and I see it, you know, on vinyls on the sidewalk, too, I can touch it and feel it, and there's someone that I can talk to and is connecting with me. Um, And we started that up to really think about the entire brand. In the past, we were thinking a lot about the sub-brands within UCLA. So what happened was sort of that broader brand of UCLA was a little bit of the side detail. And so what we are doing is we're putting that as the main focus. And so that's why it was really important to have a brand uh, officer. And we're really excited about both officers starting on August 30th. Right on. Uh, the first thing I want to say to you is that um, some of the world's best ideas come from a Sharpie and a Post-it. So they're legendary for great, great ideas, great thoughts. The second part um, about this is that I think this is so interesting for a lot of reasons. And one of them is that, um, A, like I mentioned before, it repositions communications in a higher education institution. But it also gives purview to a person uh, like a chief brand and chief content uh, uh, to keep a close eye on the stories and how they're connected to each other across an organization. Um, and that what that means to me is that 
the messages that are sent out into the world will be related. Uh, so often uh, there are um, so many different kinds of messages coming out of out of an institution, especially one as large as uh, UCLA, um, that are, you know, schools have their goals and agendas for their messaging. And uh, when there's no one at the, you know, quote unquote, at the top, making sure that everything kind of reinforces our, our master brand uh, pillars, uh, our personality, and reflect uh, how we're supposed to talk about ourselves. It can become kind of disjointed and a bit disconnected. And so um, I'm curious uh, how you uh, determined or decided to position these uh, roles as chief roles as opposed to somewhere else uh, like deeper or over in the organization. I decided that these positions should be chiefs because they are of that importance. And simply put, we needed, wanted, were longing for just the best of the best. And to me, brand, content creation, uh, communications, you, you name it. These functions are so vital within you know, uh, an industry in which you and I work. And I wanted to ensure that they had titles um, that reflected my commitment and philosophy on it, and therefore UCLA's commitment and philosophy on it. And I think that, um, you know, that was really important to us. And in going through the recruitment process, it would, I think it made a real difference to folks, the caliber of people that we uh, spoke with. Um, we hired Corn Ferry International, amazing team. And I think that when it comes with that substance of an officer role, that says something. And I think the type of people that we were looking for and that I was looking for are not the type of people that are looking for a playbook. You know what I mean? Kevin, and I'm smiling at you because I know you know exactly what I mean because you are one of these people in my book. You don't want to play book, you know, and you don't want to be given this three-ring binder and say, no. all right, all you have to do is make sure you don't take the car off the track. Here you go. And I was looking for someone that just loves to build and invent and is someone who naturally goes with the yes and and isn't the no factory and um, <laughs> you know that's what we're looking for I was looking for fellow builders and people that were interested in planting seeds with me to see them grow um and were you know excited to do that and uh I think the officer titles helped us in so many ways with that recruitment. I agree. I agree. One of the things I, I've shared with you um, more than uh, one occasion is that I truly believe that these two people who are joining UCLA have the potential to not just change the way UCLA obviously communicates about itself, but um, they uh, quite likely could be leaders in how um, higher ed evolves the communication, the way it, it talks about the industry uh, of higher education. And I think that that's one of the most exciting things because um, I, I don't, I'm not sure if people um, think about brand and higher ed the way that um, you are in these two roles would be because it just, the way we communicate now just needs to be updated and evolved in order to stay relevant. And I think that these two roles can really uh, do that. I'd like to talk to you about how um, you 
uh, maneuvered these ideas through, um, you know, the leadership at UCLA, um, since there are things that no one had ever heard of, especially at UCLA, was there a lot of like convincing or selling or politics or how did, how did you do that and what did it look like? So uh, this is where I am extremely lucky, um, where the buy-in was really easy, you know, and, and I think that the story behind that is this. The strategic communications team, um, you know, has really proven itself to understand how to celebrate, elevate all the eights out there and has really earned trust throughout the organization. And when we had pitched this earlier this year, we had just so many, you know, earned trust chits that it wasn't a hard conversation, but it wasn't a hard sell. It was just more of a socialization because of the hard work of the team. You know, so I would just say that we're really lucky. We have a chancellor who's been here as chancellor of UCLA for 13 years. And as I understand it, you would know better than I. That's a really amazing leadership stability to have at any university. And he's, you know, he's really amazing and awesome. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the buy-in was the the easy part. I know. That's right? not what I expect you to say. I so don't mean to, you know, sort of bribe. I don't mean to flex, but that it was easy. <laughs> Go ahead on and flex. <laughs> it was the easy part because of the because of the great work of the team. So. Yeah. What are some things that you can kind of point to for people who might be listening to this podcast um, who have these kinds of ideas that are big and bold? Uh, you know, if they have supportive leadership, et cetera, what are some things that they need to think about when uh, kind of instituting a change like this, do you think? So when I first joined, I did a reorg of our communications team, and this might be more um, relevant. And that took socialization because I was new. Uh, it, I was in a brand new role. Um, you know, I think the appetite for change was there, but maybe slow roll the change a little bit. And I had this idea of how the communications component of Stratcom should be organized. And the first thing I did, Kevin, was uh, begin instituting metrics and a way in which we could begin measuring things. To me, I come from the technology sector, so everything is so data-driven. And that was one thing I noticed where we didn't have a lot of data. It was never accepted, I don't think, um, of the of the team. But I thought that if we could do that, that's a way in which I can tell the story of increases, of proving out if this crazy idea I had was actually working or if it was failing. And that's okay, too. But giving us all a sense of, are we failing forward? Are we iterating? Are we moving too fast? Are we moving too slow? So those are the, you know, metrics with respect to the business movement, but also with the human component of um, just employees and making sure that it was going to be okay and there wasn't a total culture shock. You know, sometimes you can just move too fast. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing that I did. Um you know, I come from high tech and brands like Amazon and Activision Blizzard and, 
you know, Yahoo and Yahoo was um, when the internet was just kicking off. And my first 100 days, I had this coin with me of UCLA. I had this coin with me. And on one side, it says the freeway. And on the other side, it says scenic route. And I carried that in my pocket. You know, I would sort of I would carry it in my pocket. I would take it out, you know, in meetings when I was feeling the urge to take the freeway, which is my natural way, because that was the industry in which I cut my teeth. And I would sort of going back to the tactileness of it, you know, rub the word scenic route and learn to, you know, appreciate the thoughtfulness, appreciate the fact that there are so many voices out there and to live in that. And that was something that I had to learn. I really, you know, and I don't know if I got it right. I'll be honest. Maybe I moved too fast on a couple of things. I don't know. But I will tell you that I had great intentionality um, when I first started and it's still now, but especially being new to a role and especially understanding that I was talking about reorging that affects real lives, you know. And I remember, you know, when I was um, first starting out in my career and there was a reorg, what do you think about? Is there going to be a place for me? How's this going to, what's this going to do to me? Oh my gosh. Am I doing a good job? Am I going to lose my job? Oh, now there's this global pandemic. Everyone's losing their job. And that, am I going to keep mine? And, you know, I grew up where financial security was really important to me, like really important to me. And so I don't know, that never leaves somebody that never left me. And so just, I guess, having an understanding and knowing, you know, the decisions I'm making are affecting real people and having been on the other side, um, that scenic route, you know, got easier and easier every day and uh, I think served me well. So that might be the piece of advice that I'd have. I like that. I like that. I think in the uh, haste to respond to all of the things that higher ed has to respond to, um, there can be some responses or some initiatives that are launched that might not do all the things that should be done because it was developed in such a speedy way. Um, and I think that um, taking the scenic route uh, can be super beneficial sometimes, especially when it comes to higher ed communication and messaging, uh, because obviously, as you know, uh, a higher ed brand belongs to so many different kinds of people. Uh, that obviously alums, students, parents, community, blah, 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 that taking the scenic route uh, is super helpful sometimes. And so I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because uh, I think a lot of, uh, I know I could learn from that, definitely. You uh, are a foodie, so I will say this, where, um, is foodie a bad thing? I don't know. Are people okay with uh, foodies or is that like not inclusive? You are a person who loves food. And I will use this, but, you know, you will hear, you may have heard me sometimes say, you can't eat a whole cake at once. You just got to eat it slice by slice. And by the way, what goodness is there in appreciating every bite of that? You can't eat a whole cake at once. And that's all right, because there's goodness at every bite. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate that about this industry. Yeah, totally. Obviously, UCLA is one of the most respected and um, uh, known higher ed brands really in the world. 
I mean, I know you kind of did the high level, but what do these two roles mean for the way UCLA will communicate about itself? What is it you hope that they do for the university moving forward? We have twin North Stars in terms of uh, our marketing and communications, and they're super simple. Humanity plus transparency. That's it. If we can get our voice and our actions and our programs and our et cetera, et cetera, to be human and transparent, I think that, you know, we'll have done some good for UCLA and um, hopefully global society, which is our bigger, you know, UCLA mission. And I think that these two roles certainly do that. If at the end of the day, we can sound and be more transparent and show our humanity, because to your earlier point, you know, we touch so many people. There are real stories of real people who, you know, where UCLA has honestly changed their lives. And when I say that, I'll say that about myself, not to be presumptuous and make it seem too big. But UCLA really changed my life. And um, so if we can do that, I think that'll go such a long way. And I guess it's as simple and as hard as that. I love it. <laughs> so you mentioned Corn Ferry was engaged for this search. Um, and there was a bit of a rubric that you were kind of following for the search. Um, who were you looking for for this kind of role? I was on the interview panel, interview panels, uh, and I learned quite a bit about a lot of different people from a lot of different industries. And I just want to get the rationale behind how those people came to be interviewed for these two roles. Ooh, thank you for serving on both committees, honestly. Um, so when I say the following, it's going to be about you, but in the third person, which is always weird. So I'm just going to say that up front. The search committee and the people on it, I would say, are the heroes behind all of it. Uh, you all took so much time, talked to so many people, and had to assess you know, in this group setting, a panel, which is, as I understand it, how uh, at least UCLA does interviewing for for really, uh, for all roles, probably. And um, the type of person that I was looking for is someone who understood and were experts in their respective fields. So in the field of brand and content creation. I also wanted someone who um, has shown that they've built something from the ground up as part of their career. I don't want someone that sort of, you know, went through just, hey, I'm just going to inherit and go. I needed someone who had the experience of growing because that's what we're looking for, a builder. And then I was looking just on the softer side of things and the softer skills, I was looking for someone that knew how to manage people really well in the sense that they're inspirational and, you know, wasn't a command and control type leader, um, but that could and really cared about, you know, their teams and could talk about how they demonstrated that. That was really important to me. Hard skills, as I said, someone who were just experts at it, um, 
big brands was helpful for me. Global experience was really helpful because we are a global story. And that's not because UCLA's uh, mission is to have a positive impact on global society. It's because we are all global in this moment in time. There are no lines in platforms. And so having that international and global experience, I think is key for anyone doing anything, in my opinion. Um, so those were really the key attributes, both on the hard skill side and the soft skill side that I was looking for. And I will say the soft skills component was the most important thing that I personally was interviewing for. Because anyone that goes through Corn Ferry and then goes through spectacular people like yourself and others who are on the search committee, y'all are going to vet for the hard skills. Like anyone that made it through uh, your discerning eyes, we're, they're all going to be able to be amazing in the job. And I think that last mile component is, is it going to be a culture fit? You know, all the good and the bad. And just being really open and honest about that. Um, so that's what I was looking for. Yeah, one of the one of the most uh, notable parts uh, <clears throat> of the process to me was that there were so many people that come that came from outside of higher ed, um, and I think that a it's a testament to those folks who uh, threw their hat in the ring uh, to be coming from a place um, private. Um, um, and in the entertainment industry and are volunteering to come to a public, large public institution. Um, there were some sacrifices to be made in that regard uh, for the people who assumed these roles, um, but also that they were all very, um, not only are they not, are they not from higher ed, they're very not higher ed people, uh, which I thought was so interesting, right? And I, you know, we, we've read about and heard about the trends of uh, CMOs being coming from uh, outside of higher ed and being brought in uh, into the into those roles, but this is a little bit different in a lot of ways. And so I didn't know if uh, your checklist for these candidates was entertainment. Is it some, is there something about the entertainment industry that you were trying to pull from or get over to UCLA because of a certain reason? It's such a great observation. The short answer is no. It just happened that way. And I guess it's no surprise because when we think of the best stories out there, you can see them through all the things that I've consumed during COVID, the TV, the movies, the, you know, but no, it wasn't by design. It just um, happened to be like that. Partially I'm thinking because we're LA and we live in such a company town. Um, <laughs> so that might've had something to do with it, but you know, no, I was really just, just so impressed by the, as I said, just the human component of both of these individuals. And um, it was, I guess it was just a happy accident. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. So you've had, you have both of the individuals hired for these uh, chief brand, chief content roles. Uh, obviously on the horizon is uh, a return to campus initiative or effort uh, for UCLA. Will these folks have a hand in, in that, even though they're starting uh, August 30th? And what do you imagine their uh, role to be in such a large and important kind of milestone coming back to campus? These two roles will have an enormous critical component and, and part of our return to campus campaign. We go back to school. First day of instruction is September 23rd. 
half of our student population first time at UCLA, as with the case with all the universities out there. And so our whole desire around this campaign is to turn a moment into a movement. And the way that this relates back to your question is we will kick off and we will have kicked off certain initiatives uh, later this summer into fall. But I see this as a multi-year event because I think that the greatest campaigns are the, out there are the ones with longitude, you know, the long-term thinking. And let's not abandon a campaign after it's too short. So let us move that forward and let us learn from what we did really well and extend that. And this goes back to the yes and. And let us also figure out what we what experiments didn't work. So uh, these two officers will be here right, right during critical times. And they will be huge components of what will be a long term campaign for us. So great. So you uh, mentioned the EDI Council. I sit on the UCLA.com EDI Council, which I am honored to do. One of the questions we asked all the candidates for the chief brand and chief content officer was about their experience in diversity storytelling or diverse storytelling. And I think that that was an important piece, uh, obviously because of the shift in demographics that we're going to see in incoming classes in higher ed um, and how the majority um, uh, will shift. Um, and there needs to be some sort of fluency in being able to talk to different kinds of people when they're coming into your school. And so the work that I do on, on the EDI Council is about, you know, reviewing uh, materials to make sure that we're not over-indexing on a specific kind of person so that we're telling the UCLA story uh, in a way that is real and honest uh, and authentic, which is, I know, a very overused word, but it's true. Uh, and so these two roles will have a very, very major uh, responsibility with making sure that the stories that come out into the world are equitable, that they're inclusive, and that they are diverse. Um, and so, how do you how do you imagine that going? And how do you imagine them making sure that what they do and say and put out into the world is is authentic and can be supported by the programming that exists on campus already? Being agents of change for EDI is so important, and the great work that you and your colleagues, our colleagues do to further that for UCLA um, is vital. I feel like, you know, I'll, I'll speak to anti-Asian hate for a sec, you know, and um, I'm sure that a lot of the listeners out there have had, you know, this year, right? How do we communicate around um, George Floyd, anti-Asian hate, Middle East, you name it, social justice matters. And, you know, I want to do it. I don't know how to do it. I'm not sure if I'm asking this question. I don't know what to ask. I'm not sure if I'm speaking on it in the right way. So maybe I won't speak on it at all. You know, there's just so much. And... I think it's going to be so vital. It is so vital to have an intentionality around all the things that you said and all of the work, you know, and and to try and shine a light on the things that we as a society should be thinking about with intention every time, every time. I feel like I'm not, I don't feel like we have it 
down. I don't know if anyone can say that they've got it down. And I really um, think that it's okay because of the fact that even though we don't have it down, we sure are trying and we're sure learning. And I don't think that everything we've said was on point, you know, under my watch. I don't know. I got it wrong plenty of times, but I also am, I, I feel good in knowing that we created, you know, this mechanism internally to create more and more intentionality around conversations and storytelling than we have ever before. So I think these two chiefs are going to be so critical and, and so much of their work will be on this, which shouldn't be, it's a horizontal, you know, if I'm thinking about it, or maybe it's a circle, maybe it's an egg yolk. I don't know what it is, but it's something that should be part of our everyday fabric versus this thing that we look to. All right, what's this look like? Does this look okay? What about this thing? And I want to get us to a place where it is really something that is surrounding all of us. We just need to help getting there, you know? So I don't know. I love that component of what we're doing structurally at UCLA um, in Stratcom. And I'm excited to see what else we can do because we're not, you know, we haven't done everything. We haven't done all the things. Um, And I'm really looking forward to learning, you know, continuing to learn on this. I I think that's super important. Uh, It it seems as though um, higher ed brands uh, are responsible for so many more things than they used to be like back in the day. Um, And that the expectations that people have from them to based on what stakeholder group you belong to are, are growing and the list is getting longer, right? So there is now an expectation when, you know, people are murdered in the street by police officers at a higher ed institution. Like if I'm an, I'm an alum of University of Pittsburgh, you better believe that when all that happened, I went straight to the site to see if there was anything being said about people who look like me being killed in the street, right? Like there's mental health happening and gun control and all these other things. And having two people who are completely laser focused on the brand and how it's being represented and how it's being referenced and talked about and messaged all day, every day, I think is a really important thing for a higher ed institution like UCLA to do. Now, obviously not every school can create these two roles or roles just like this because of lots of different reasons, budgets, people, whatever else. But I do think it's an important um, kind of um, moment for UCLA for that kind of reason, because it doesn't take much for a higher ed brand to come under attack. It doesn't take much at all, especially nowadays with social media and all that stuff. And so having people with an eagle eye on this, I think is gonna be really critical moving forward, especially as the mix of people changes over the next couple of years, next several years. Yes, that's such a great point. You know, we want our university to look different than it does today, you know? looking forward because that's the world and um we need to it's not just a hey we better it is a we ought to and we ought to be really great at it but we as i said we can't do everything we can't do eat the whole cake at once but we certainly must go and you know be like water and flow forward on it and that to me I don't know. I just feel like we're going in a really good direction. 
as an aside, before we close up shop here, uh, you have a lot of like nice one-liners that I particularly love and take to heart. Be like water, take your brains out for a walk. There are these ways about uh, your leadership style that I really appreciate. Um, and that at a place as big as UCLA, with as many things we have to do, uh, the plates as full as they are, you take the time to lead in the way that you do. So I just want to say I appreciate that. Um, and it's been uh, such a pleasure working for you uh, this past year. I just wanted to mention that. And, and uh, obviously, UCLA has a, a, a lot of resources that a lot of other schools uh, don't have. But the thoughtfulness with which you've restructured the department um, with an eye towards what will serve the institution the best, as opposed to um, what will serve our department or you or whatever else, I think is just really um, admirable. And uh, I really appreciate your leadership and your foresight and understanding the importance of uh, having pers a person um, taking great care of the brand and the content that we create to support the brand. I so appreciate that, Kevin. I just love UCLA. There was not a bone in my body that ever thought I would be in higher ed. And I jumped, I was all in UCLA. All it wants to be is this place that puts some positivity into our global society and just make it better. And I just cannot think of a better place to be and a greater mission to serve. And as I mentioned, you know, UCLA really saved my life. So it is a complete honor. I love being on this podcast with you. Mary, I really appreciate your time joining us today on Higher Voltage. It has been a pleasure chatting with you. It's been a pleasure working with you. I can't wait to see what we do next uh, at UCLA and in strategic communications. Um, I really thank you very much for joining us today. Kevin, this was such a pleasure. Higher Voltage, I love it. I am so honored. And just having a conversation with you anytime, whether on podcast, in real life, cracking up on Zooms together, Sign me up anytime. So thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Higher Voltage. We'll be back soon with a new episode. And until then, you can find us on Twitter at Volt Higher Ed. And you can find me, Kevin Tyler, on Twitter at Kevin C. Tyler 2. Thanks. Thanks.